Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast episode 119. We are back after 23 days. Sorry we're so sporadic these days. We're becoming more of a, a fortnightly, a monthly podcast, depending on schedules for when we can jump on and talk about football. I'm joined by Matt Santangelo. How are you doing, mate? Not too bad here. Listen, uh, Milan are in a good spot here. We'll get into that, of course. Uh, a lot of exciting things potentially coming around the bend for them as far as, um, you know, the title push, the, the potential takeover. So we'll, we'll dive into that. So I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty well. You must be doing pretty well. Arsenal are in a decent spot right now, right? Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think we're kind of in the exact mirror, like the same positions, just for fourth and title respectively um Mm -hmm. as we both know the the premier league having probably the two two of the best teams ever probably two two of the best teams in the world most certainly it's a bit more difficult to get up there but um in terms of having the fourth spot so highly contested with your neighbors and your local rivals the same thing with inter and milan respectively um two points ahead uh two points ahead for arsenal and milan but look i'm gonna ask you First of all, how confident are you feeling about it? And what would this mean if you were to go and do it? I don't want you to jinx it, but what would it mean? It would mean, <laughs> what's that little clip from Pep Guardiola? Where they like, I'm yeah, so, they so sorry. Are... I'm sorry. No, he's, <laughs> that one where they, there was another one. He goes, you don't seem like you're happy. You've won. He goes, more than, I, more than you can believe. More than you can I'm believe. Happy. More than you can believe. <laughs> That's basically, I think, how most Milan fans, they share that general feeling right now, right? Because I think last year they were close to a title for a good portion of the year. Eventually Inter kind of stepped away and took the reins on that and won. And then coming into this season with the ups and downs with injuries, Ibrahimovic being kind of in and out, really not playing many games at all, the market kind of going unfulfilled in certain areas um, in January. And then it looking as though is that, man, Milan are going to fall off. They should have gotten this player, that player. And then finding ways back in because of maybe interest shortcomings. I think it's just been such a whirlwind season that I think ultimately this this was kind of the micro this is kind of a microcosm of what I think most Milan fans expected um, their ascent back to being like a title contender would be. It wouldn't be just on a kind of a smooth sailing, got all these players and we coast. It was gonna be like a roller coaster of emotions where you feel like you're out of it, then you feel like you're back in. They, play with the emotions and the hope is, is hanging there. <laughs> the hope is what kills you, eh? It's hope is what kills you. And, you know, look, the, the past couple of weeks, I think we've seen results kind of go up and down. And I think it's kind of fair for Milan fans to feel some type of way that they felt like maybe they were out. Then the Inter slip up against Bologna and they're back in and had that two-point cushion. That was always the key game that everyone looked towards. But yeah, I think this would mean a great deal, not only for obviously the financial, um, you know, positives that could come from a title and also, you know, the, the potential takeover, but just like the, 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 if this would feel like last year getting back into the Champions League felt like the true ending of the banter era. But I think this would be like the crown on top. Like it's done. Like we've, we've, we've arrived. We're back. Milan is back type feeling. Yeah. I think it's crazy, right? Like to think that getting to fourth was such a massive achievement last season and then they finished second though they finished second yes but as in like coming top four sorry Um, right right and but that was like the aim and also the achievement coming second and now potentially winning it could be amazing and and probably you know i I mean look like i don't need you to suck uh teach you how to suck eggs but i mean winning a champions league with kaka gattuso pirlo seidorf etc etc it's really impressive right 
but it's in the same vein as Liverpool Man City winning the Champions League because they have the best players, they have the best coaches, and they're expected to compete, right? Right, right. But when you've got a team that is lining up with 3 million euros, Junior Messias on the right, 20-year-old Shando mm. Trenali in midfield, 37-year-old Olivier Giroud up top, and his other option is a 40-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic, there is something a bit more to this than it would be to previous Milan titles. Am I right, Matt? Yeah, I think, you know, look, they all, like, at the end of the day, they're all a number, right? It's all titles, number 18, 19. This would be 19 if they were able to get it done. Um, and I think you make up a great point. You know, the 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 years where Milan were, were elites and they were a top team and competing for top honors across the board, they had the star power. They had the names, you know, Milan as institution um, and a club. They, they always weren't those big type of players. But you mentioned some of these other guys that, you know, if you look at Milan as a, as a squad name-wise, probably you would think like, yeah, they could compete for top four. And I think that was the general feeling and consensus coming into the season. That like, you know, let's see how far we can take this. We've tasted what it feels like to compete for a title, maybe with more experience and some players coming into great form, like Rafael Leao, um, Sajo Tonali, Benacer, Tomori, Kalulu, all these guys taking that next step. Maybe we can't push for a title and have that longevity across a full season. But this would feel, I mean, you, maybe not so much as far as the Cinderella story and against the all odds, but like more, more or less in line with like what Leicester City did, where it's like they have a good team, like they have some good players, but the, are the expectations to win a title there coming into the season? Do they feel like they have the star power that stacks up against, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, uh, Manchester United, so on and so forth? No. And I think that's kind of what Milan fans are looking for with this team. It's a lot of unsung heroes, a lot of players stepping up, getting results where they need, getting goals scored where they need to decide outcomes of matches. And they're just kind of riding that wave that Pioli um, has I, kind of sort of started since he came in. I quite liken it, Matt, to when, do you remember when Liverpool almost won the league under Brendan Rodgers? That yes. Suarez, Coutinho, that was still, like, that still had some great players, right? You probably had the best striker in world football at the time. But there were a lot of helter-skelter. You had Simon Mignolet. You had yeah. like a 35-year-old Steven Gerrard. You had like a 18-year-old Raheem Sterling. You had some absolutely dire defenders at the back. And I kind of liken it to that, like in the sense that you're not favourites. You probably were expected to come, you know, between second and fourth, any, uh, anywhere there, thereabouts. But then to come into the, the final four games being up, on the opposition, it's kind of exactly where that mm-hmm. team was. And obviously they blew it. We all know what happened with the Stephen Gerrard slip. But I guess, you know, if we look at the fixtures here, Matt, it's a lot more palatable. It's not having Chelsea's, uh, Mourinho's Chelsea at home where he loves, you know, spoiling the party, right? Uh, we've got Fiorentina mm-hmm. at home, which which could be a trap game. Uh, Verona away, uh, who are again, you know, been decent this season. Uh, Atalanta at home, who are never easy and, and kind of dodgy opposition. Then Sassuolo away, who, you know, beat Milan in the corresponding picture with that Skamaka crazy goal when he almost broke the net. But mm. how do you feel? Like, it does really feel like these opposition are good enough to make Milan need to be at the, the top of their game because they're not going to just walk in and get three points, are they? No, and if you've watched Milan this entire season, you know that no match is a is a layup, right? I think you know they've always played up to the to the opposition or played at that level that demands a result uh, against Lazio in Ternopoli. I mean, they've kind of teased us with being just sort of an elite team that always rises to the occasion when the lights are brightest and the stages are obviously the biggest. You know, and then they have those moments where they're like. Are they? Do they quite have that pedigree right now? Because they can't finish against some of these more provincial teams, and 
titles are, are, are historically won when you handle those teams um, in, the, some, in somewhat a similar manner that you do the best teams, right? So I think, you know, the way they've played against the teams like Salernitana or um, Udinese and, and, you know, I can name several others, you almost take these games with a little bit more caution and you say, yes, we, we, we're in a good spot, but you know, there's no time to um, get ahead of ourselves. And I think that's kind of the feeling I had um, seeing the reaction after Inter lost to Bologna yesterday. Huge mistake by the goalkeeper. I mean, if you guys have a chance to check that out, please do so. Crazy. It could be, it could be like a defining moment of if Inter do not win the title, it could be like a defining moment for them. But I, I think that Milan fans should be a little bit more, uh, have a little more restraint when they kind of maybe trying to point jabs and point fingers at Inter and their maybe shortcomings for the title because we've been in a situation before this entire season where we've had that opportunity to maybe pick up some more cushion, gain some more steam, and we've had our moments where we haven't quite brought the best that we're capable of. So as you mentioned, Fiorentina, they've beaten Milan this year. Um, a lot of Milan mistakes in that game. Um, and it's funny too, or ironic that you know two of Milan's four losses, uh, I think they have four in the season, came back-to-back against Fiorentina and Sassuolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a good omen. And those... No, 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 not at all. And I think those matches, those defeats, I don't think it was so much maybe down to Fiorentina or Swaswell being the better side, but I think it was um, Milan making a couple mistakes defensively, but Kessier and Taylor Hernandez turning the ball over in their own end. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there's four games left, there's four titles as it's being framed. The margins are so fine. Everything is going to be looked at very closely and every pass, every sort of movement decision that is made um, comes under a, a more fine lens. And I think Milan really just need to take it one game at a time. Fiorentina being the next one, understand where they're at, understand the the magnitude of the situation they're in and understand that they have an opportunity to do something truly great here. Yeah, look, it's it's four, 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 four cup finals, isn't it? Um, absolutely yeah. the case. And I do, I do wonder if they buckle under the pressure. I really do. It's a young team, um, similarly to Arsenal. As we said, it's just like... A, you know, two projects, one step apart, basically. And I do wonder, yeah, I, I, I wonder if they can have that, the mentality to really like stay on and, and, and win this thing. Because there are some really good young players there that have basically, mm-hmm. that have actually, you know, carried this team forward. Like if you think about, if you think about Rafael Leao, if you think about Sandro Tonali, if you think about Tamori and Kalulu, like players that are not particularly experienced it's just, it's it's just really great to see. Really great to see. I think I think think the one thing too, and then we can move on here, Pat, is that you know, um, and I said this on on a couple of podcasts I was on maybe four or five weeks ago when there was that final stretch, right? That final eight, nine, ten games of the season, and I looked at it and I was every title winner has those moments where you have like an unsung hero that maybe you didn't expect to pull out a goal or to have like a great performance, and you're like. He didn't do this throughout the year, but in this pocket of games, he stepped up and he actually provided something that we truly needed. And I think, you know, you can look to layout, you know, he's, he's carried a, a good portion of, of the offensive of workload and he's been exceptional this year. You know, Taylor Hernandez, the names that we can all keep going and going towards Mike Magnon. I got to give him some love here too, because he's been sensational stepping in to replace Gigi Donnarumma. But every title winner has those unsung heroes, like what Masai's had last game, you know, where he has a really good performance. Maybe it doesn't, you know, quite dazzle and get the goals and assists and applauded that it maybe deserves. But like, look at the look at Divock Origi, 
He don't have 50, 60, 80 goals to his name under Liverpool. But when you look at his entire legacy yeah. and his career with Liverpool, he's had those moments that have really turned the tide and have played huge dividends in a title winning season or a Champions League winning season. So I think that's something to focus on too. Yeah, I think uh, there are other players right in this Milan squad. Tio Hernandez has not had his best season. In fact, he started really poorly. Throughout the season, he's gotten a bit better. Not been amazing. Milan have wrote, like, not really even had a right back this season. They've played Kessier at 10 at times. Brahim Diaz hasn't scored in, is it like five years or something like that? They've had to really find some square pegs. Like piece yeah, it, and, and, piece and it together. Smash yeah. them into, into round holes. And somehow, some way, this team is basically right up there fighting for the title. But listen, Matt. We do need to talk about the two big Champions League ties in the week. Otherwise, this becomes a, a Milan podcast, which we'd obviously do. Um, I mean, one for the ages on Tuesday, right, in uh, Man City, Madrid, which is, I think, where we'll concentrate most of our time because I think the other the other time might be a foregone conclusion without being too disrespectful for, for, to Villarreal. They've done fantastically to get where they are. But that was a ridiculous game, wasn't it? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen... I don't think I've seen many better coached semifinals than Guardiola in that in that game. And I mean, Kevin De Bruyne in that game was, at times, it looked like he was just walking on water, right? It was just everything he touched turned to gold. And um, yeah, I just wanted to get your take on it because, of course, on the other side of the coin, you had... I, I had this explained to me by someone. Um, Madrid are like a heavyweight boxer that is on the way down but still can pack a punch. And it felt like that, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I was just about to kind of compare it to like a prize fight, right? Like you have, you know, Ali, Frazier, those two teams that are just true juggernauts. And I think, you know, they're, the way these teams are kind of, I guess, shaped currently, you have on one end, Real Madrid, right? The team that has its tried and true stars, guys have, who have won this trophy before. Benzema, who continues to just shine and really prove that, you know, all those years where it was... Ronaldo and, and, and Bale, Benzema's really proven since Ronaldo left that he can really be the guy for Real Madrid. He never really had that opportunity, um, aside from you know, injuries here and there, um, during his Real Madrid stint to be like, okay, I'm the main talisman. This is my Real Madrid. Like, let's see how far we can take with me being the main guy. And I think he's proven that he is just a generational type player. I think that's kind of how the conversation has to be with Benzema. He's so complete. He's getting better with age. And he's the guy that Real Madrid really look to to carry them with big goals. And, you know, they, they, have a, they have a team of Real Madrid who have been there before, have won everything. And you have Manchester City who have all the, the names, the coach, that this is the one trophy that they're really striving to get to. So it's almost just like, okay, you want to win the, your Champions League? you got to get through us first. Like the final boss. You ever talked about the final boss? And it feels like this matchup should be designed for the final but really, it feels as though like this is the final. Like this could be the final. Maybe it's City and Liverpool, but more or less, you have the team that's done it before and the team that's trying to do it. And when I looked at this match, I think you you kind of you described it perfectly, right? It's a, it's a prize fight. The names, the pedigree, the back and forth. It, it, it's from a neutral standpoint. Me watching this game, you just sit back and it's the type of game that you watch with like a beer yeah. and you just enjoy it. You truly enjoy. It football in this match yeah I, I, it was just a ridiculous game and uh, the the first couple of man city goals were fantastic but then i mean benzema's first goal was a joke like you know 
I played up front, you know, when I played 11 aside and weak foot to finish that when the cross is poor and you're kind of having to stop your run and check back. I can't, like the level of difficulty on that shot, he's not even looking at the goal. It's just absurd. It's one of those seasons where everything you touch turns to gold. And then, I mean, Vinicius Jr.'s second goal is you know, out of this world. It's something you imagine as a kid, I'm sure he did, that's replayed over and over again. And then the Benzema mm-hmm. dinked penalty is just, you know, the audacity. I've not been caught off guard that much by a penalty since Sedan's in the final, in the World Cup final. I really haven't. I... Like sometimes a Penenka, you're like, ah, okay, you know, like it's not like I expected it, but it's kind of you're not shocked, right? Mm-hmm. With a Zidane one, you're like, what the hell did he just do that in a World Cup final? And it was the same thing. It was like, did he just do that in the in the semifinals? <laughs> oh, it's just crazy. But you know, I I still think Man City are favourites, especially with Cancelo back, mm-hmm. and then you know maybe Carl Walker if he's back. I, I think they're a shoe in. I just don't think Madrid can cope. I mean, Casemiro was a big miss for them, and they'll. He'll make them tougher to beat, but I just do think they'll have the, they'll have way too much Man City in the second leg. Yeah, I, I, I would I would say so, but I can't. You know, I got to give Real Madrid a little bit of hope oh, and a little bit of credit here because they're just so battle tested and they've been through this so many times that I think that they're still quite there. I mean, even look at the game against Juventus you know, so many years yeah. ago, right? I know it's a different team, you know, different animal, but they felt like they were down and out in that game, yeah. and they found a way to claw back and, and overturn that. So. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is the arrogance that they have is intimidating. What I mean by that is you saw the Chelsea players crumble in the mm. Bernabeu. Like, I know they got it back to 3-0 and they were up. But as soon as that Rodrigo goal went in, it was just like they were on top of them. And same PSG, right? It was the intimidation, the arrogance, the... You know, Modric saying to Verratti, okay, you had your fun in the first half, but you know, you know, mm. I've won this thing four times, right? <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah. let me show you how it's done. And it's that it was the same thing against Chelsea. It was like everyone had Chelsea as the favorites. And then Benzema was like, well, actually, you know, we've won this thing more than anyone ever. This is our competition. Let me show you how it's done. And I don't think that will happen to City. I think they'll have too much. I think, you know, when you look at Bernardo Silva mm-hmm. and Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne and Jesus and Mares and Jack Grealish and Sterling. There is just too much firepower there. There's no chance Man City won't score. And you have, if you have Walker back, Vinicius isn't going to have a sniff. And you'd hope that Cancelo, you know, Cancelo swap, slotting back in at left back. And even if he doesn't at left back, he plays right back. Zinchenko plays left back. It feels a bit better than it did before. I, I wanted to ask you one question before we move on to the other fixture, which was a little mm. bit less exciting, but still maybe needs to be talked about. Is Benzema now underrated or is he overrated, Matt? Because we've kind of had this debate for a while now about yeah. Kane and Lewandowski and, and Benzema. And I think we're kind of now... Suarez. Suarez. Kind of in that yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's a load of other strikers that I think are... I, I think we can all agree, you know, like there are some strikers, Ronaldo, Thierry Henry. There are a few in that kettle of fish that are like a bit above, right? Like as pure nines mm. that are like a bit above the, you know, maybe Rivaldo, Romario. I don't know if you want to put them up there as well. A few up there that are just above the rest, right? But in that next tranche where you have the Lewandowski's, the Benzema's, the Suarez's, the Aguero's, the Robin Van Persie's, the the Wayne Rooney's, the I, I don't know who else there, there might be in that kind of in that bracket. Is this slightly like recency bias or is he still underrated? Like, because I've seen people be like, 
oh, this is crazy recency bias. Like, this is what always happens when players get better in their 30s. This is why people still compare Ronaldo to Messi. It's like, okay, that's kind of bullshit. And then also people being like, he's better than Thierry Henry. It's like, okay, let's, let's all calm down for a minute. Where, where, do we, <laughs> where do we see Benzema's legacy now after this amazing season? I think he's, I think he's rated and I think he's kind of put in the, in the right category right now. I think it's really, it's really difficult to, I guess, and, and, and I bring it up because I, I talk more about his Real Madrid career, right? I think that's kind of always a big focus. It's always club and country and country. He's got, kind of been frozen out. He didn't really have that opportunity to be the guy for his country for all these years. But I think from a club standpoint, you know, he's, he's got the accolades, accolades. And I think the one thing that I think has really put Benzema into a different, the kind of, uh, on, a, on a different shelf, a higher up shelf, is the fact that Ronaldo leaving allowed him that opportunity to be the guy. And, and I think you started to see his numbers tick up a little bit. He started to be more of a volume guy. He's leading the, the Champions League goal scoring, right? I think that was something that Ronaldo was always there at, at the top. And, oh yeah, Benzema's good. Benzema's a good player. He's a good support striker. He scores his goals. He's a big guy for the moment and he's, he's an elite striker. But now it's, I think the conversation has shifted to Benzema being finally rated and finally properly put on the right pedestal as far as being one of the best strikers of his generation because of that opportunity that he was afforded. He needed that in my opinion. I think if Ronaldo was still there, I don't think Benzema would be getting his sort of bulk of the goals. I don't think it would be the conversation would have shifted to Benzema being truly elite and truly special. Mm. And in that conversation or conversations that you just mentioned, I don't like to compare players from one generation to the other. I think when you talk about Benzema and Henri yeah, or R9, it's it's different defenses. It's it's people are gonna look at the numbers too much versus like a pocket of great seasons. And I think my criteria for judging who is elite and who's world-class is much different than yours and Martino's. I've seen people say, oh, Vlahovic is world-class. He's truly elite. And I'm like, he hasn't done it for more than a season and a half, a season. So like, that's kind of how I feel. But I think longevity matters for me. And when I look at the longevity of Benzema's career and it's still going, I think Benzema's finally the past year or two getting into that conversation is like, okay, like I think we need to start really having a conversation about where Benzema is, where, do he, where does he stack up, and ultimately how great his legacy is, because it's truly, a, truly a really good one. I think, uh, I, I really do think that his legacy will now be, I, I, I want to say like easily a top 15, 20 striker of all time. I think he's 100% in that conversation. And I think it'd be crazy not to say it. Like, I mean, the thing that I've been thinking a lot about is a lot of people talk about like peak versus longevity. Okay, well, if we talk only about peak, then maybe Messi isn't the greatest of all time, right? Because Ronaldinho, yeah. Ronaldinho's peak was short. Ronaldinho had like a three, four year peak, but Kaká, he was... Kaká had a long, a long, successful career, but Kaká, you know, with injuries, his his peak and his longevity was maybe cut short. Yeah, like Ronaldo uh, R nine, like is his mm-hmm. peak the best we've ever seen? Is Diego Maradona's peak the best we've ever seen? Is like how do you start judging players generationally, like? Also, what do you define as the peak? Like, do people think Ronaldo playing left wing, breaking the goal scoring record in the Premier League and leading United to a Champions League win and winning the Ballon d'Or PFA player, young player of the year as well, is better than the striker Ronaldo that won the Champions Leagues, the three Champions Leagues in a row with Real Madrid? Like, what's actually the better player there? 
it's a very difficult mm-hmm. conversation to have. Like, it's hard. What's, what's the better Messi? Is it the one that scored 91 goals or is it the one that one became the facilitator in the MSN relationship? So Suarez could score 60 goals. Like, which is the better Messi? And I think when people start talking about like all-time players, it's like, okay, we can do that. But how much does the peak matter and how much does the longevity matter? Because I, I do think that you have to be really, really good for a re- like a reasonable, reasonably long time to be like one of the all-time greats. I don't think it's fair to be like, I'm trying to think of a player who's been really good for two or three seasons and then never again. There's not that many of them. But I think if you are like a Ronaldinho three, four years at the absolute top, you do have to then say, okay, then maybe I can't be the greatest ever. I can't be a top 10 player ever. Well, I, th- I think I think what, what the, the, basically what it has to be is that if you give me seven to 10 years of being like consistently like a 15 to 20 goal scorer and you do it in big moments and you win trophies, I think then that longevity has holds a lot of weight because you're involved in so many you know, big moments and you're able to do it so consistently. But I think health comes into play, right? Whereas you, know, you talk about Ronaldinho and you talk about R9, is that, yeah, maybe their peak was cut short, but in three to four years, if, you're, if your peak is going to be three to four years and be that short, you have to be, I'm talking truly, like truly prolific for those three to four years with no time off. And I think you can all make that case about Ronaldinho and R9, right? I think you look at them, it's like, okay, fine. They, they don't have 10, 11, 12 years like Ronaldo, Messi, and, and some of the other, some mm. of the other guys that we can name. But those years where they were, at their best in their peak years in, in quotes, they, I mean, I'm talking podium. I'm talking top three yeah. type down Dior guys every year. That's kind of how I observe it. You have to be like next level other world. Isn't this also just like medicine to some extent, Matt? Cause like Michael Owen burst onto the yeah, scene yeah. and he was basically the best striker in the world for like a couple of seasons. He does his right. ACL and he's never the same. Yeah. Ibrahimovic did his ACL at like, 34 35 36 yeah, something like that look he's not been the sa- like he's not been the same player because of his age but he still had 5 years at, like top football level yeah he's 20 what 20 plus goals for united yeah, tw- right that one yeah, 20 plus goals for united and then uh you know goes to milan does well mls does well could be winning a title now with milan um you know, we've seen other loads of players do do cruciates, do really bad injuries, and then come back and be still really, really good. Like Ronaldo's had a knee injury, I think, since for the last six or seven years, and hasn't stopped him. Loads of other players have had really serious injuries, and although they do, it is difficult to get back from them. You're not cut short anymore. And I think if you mm-hmm. look at R9, Owen, and a few other players, players just take care of themselves more. Like. Wayne Rooney is the same age. Uh, he's young, like he's two, is he two years younger than Ronaldo? One of them's managing Derby so. County. One of them's playing up front for Man United, who scored sixteen goals in the league in like twenty-seven appearances. Players just look after their bodies more. Like Jamie Vardy, I know he's been really injured this season, but like aging, won a Premier League title, scored a hundred Premier League goals. Players just look after their bodies better. I don't know if it's the yoga, the medicine, whatever it may be. Like. Is it unfair to still look at longevity as they're like, oh, that's the thing? Because, you know, Ronaldo 9, if he started his career in 2000 and, or 2015 rather than 1995, would we be talking about him differently? Like, if he was able to 
come back from a bad, bad knee injury and be back in these days, it's like six, seven months. Right. And you're back. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's one thing I think about. Yeah, no, I think there's, there's so many different things you have to weigh and consider in this sort of conversation. And I think it's, it's all about perspective and what, how ultimately you observe the game. And I think, you know, longevity is a thing that you have to kind of use. And this is the way I kind of look at it is if you're comparing longevity matters, if you're comparing same generation type players. So let's say, for example, you want to compare uh, longevity Suarez and Benzema or like Lewandowski, like all in the same era playing more or less the same type of elite sides the same type of um, football as far as the evolution is concerned of football because football has evolu- uh, evolutionized quite a bit. So that's what I think you have to do. But I think it, what it boils down to is that it's really, really difficult to compare compare players from like starkly different generations. Like it, it just, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do that. You know, like people are saying, oh, Cruyff was the best. Like, would, would Cruyff be, how elite would Cruyff be right now in this generation of players? be honest because i've heard I've, I've heard this conversation about you know the nba with the nba playoffs being on oh um you know is is chris paul a top five point guard you're like yeah he's been doing it for a while longevity right hasn't made it past, he has only made it to one i think conference final hasn't won a ring is he better than a jason kid is he better than this guy who maybe hasn't played as long but has won titles has been like a top so like i think there's a lot of things you have to look at when having this conversation, but I think the one thing we can agree on is Benzema is, he's a bad man as, as Stephen. Uh, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bad man. The other thing that I want, the other thing that really annoys me is like when people compare players and they say, okay, Harry Kane's not played with any great players or he plays for a crap team and he's doing this well. That's not really the problem of Benzema and Lewandowski. Like if you're the best, you're going to play for the best. And Harry Kane's the one that signed more contracts at Spurs. Robin Van Persie could have done the same at Arsenal, but he moved to Man United and won a title. He forced the agenda. And I do like, it's kind of like the, it's the Dimitri Payet effect, right? That season he had at West mm-hmm. Ham, unbelievable. Would it have been the yeah. same season or the same player in Man City's team today? Absolutely not. So yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a, it's, a, it's an odd comp. I think there's a lot of things to talk about, like, the team they played in, the longevity and the actual ability. It's a really difficult conversation to have. Really difficult conversation to have. But I don't know. We'll see. Look, let's talk about the other leg for a brief minute, Matt. Villarreal are always going to have their work out here. Yeah. Do you think there's anything they could have done better to, to not lose 2-0? I mean, really unfortunate first goal to concede. And I think once that first one goes in, it's kind of game over. Um, because you just knew Liverpool were going to get more and it could have been three or more at the end of the night. Is this tie over and could they have done anything better to in the, in the first half? I think the tie's over. I just don't see any sort of uh, reality where Liverpool just somehow crumble and concede this and let this one slip away. I think, you know, you have to credit the Jurgen Klopp, you have to credit Liverpool's the team where, you know, I was, I was listening to, to Jamie Carragher, you know, in the, in the post-match uh, talk about Liverpool and maybe how like it was, you know, yes, but we, he didn't seem like he was like entirely convinced by the Liverpool like result. There's like a two, there's a way to, to go about playing 2-0 football and getting a result in a big match like this. And then there's ways to do it where it's like, yeah, but I need context. And when I watch the actual match and I get all the context and I look at everything and I pot, it wasn't like, wow, Liverpool were, were exceptional. They did everything well. They didn't put a foot wrong. But I think in, at these stages, right, you, you, you look at the teams that have the pedigree, who are battle-tested, who have been here before. And, you know, um, when, it look, when you look at Villarreal, it's like against margins, right? You're playing Liverpool. The margins are so fine. You can't afford a 
own goal. You can't afford a player out of position when, you know, Liverpool are on the break and running. On any given match, anything could happen. I mean, ask Milan when they beat Barcelona at the at, at Camp Nou or at San Siro when they had Kevin Constant, Philippe Nexus, and they, but again, the margins, they got everything right. Allegri coached really well. The players were well positioned. They were in moments, they made the right passes when they need to. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, if you're, if you're the reality, like you can't afford to just have a slip up in any, any fashion. So I think all credit to them. I mean, they got through Juventus, who obviously have had their rough go this year. Bayern Munich, that was a really true test of, wow, like Villarreal is a really well, you know, well-run side under Unai Emery, which just, I'm sure you have your feelings about <laughs> how he's doing. But yeah, I just think that there's, there's really nothing more I think Villarreal could have done. I think obviously you don't want to, you, you don't want to leave it up to, you don't want you can't gift a team like Liverpool. You gift a team like Liverpool, you gift a team like City, they make you pay. And I think that's what ultimately sets elite teams apart from teams like Villarreal who are like, hey, you know, we're just happy to be here. We're in this position. I don't think anyone expected this. A semi-final run is pretty impressive on our part. Yeah, I mean, look, the other issue is that Unai Emery is a manager that only ever comes between five and ten in the league. We know that. He's a very, very, very competent and good cup manager. Uh, We know that also. Four Europa Leagues with two different clubs, another Europa League final with Arsenal, couple of European Super uh, European Super uh, Cups as well. It might just be the case that this is as far as this Villarreal team can go, right? And that's nothing to be ashamed of. They're not. They're no, not. They're not going to suddenly find loads of money next summer. They're not going to suddenly, you know, get a bigger stadium. They're not going to suddenly move city. Uh, well, I mean, I hope they don't. So yeah, they can be. Oh, sorry, I yawned. Fuck it up. <laughs> They can they can be proud of their achievements, and um, I think we'll just see this out in the second leg. The alternative is they come out absolutely firing and score first, and all the pressure is then on Liverpool. But I really I can't see a situation where Liverpool don't get out of that uh, and into the final. Yeah, I see Liverpool uh, knowing how to navigate this match because a two zero is a tricky one to it's a tricky lead to hold going into a second leg. Because obviously it's one goal can change everything. You know, we've seen how quickly things can change in a matter of moments, right? If Liverpool slip up and you're like, it's 2-1 now. Like now it's like, that gives Villarreal that extra hope to come out and say, hey, like we got this. Like we're just one quick execution away for goal from being in the, in the Champions League final. So I think, you know, you have, kind of have to put all those things into the, into, into the bucket and consider them. But I think you, you're, you're bang on. I just don't see any sort of position here where Liverpool don't, Manage this game from a professional sense. Um, they've been here too many times. They know what it takes to win. Um, they got the names, players that we all know. I'm not going to go through the names. I, I see them handling the game comfortably. I think maybe there could be moments where Villarreal does some things and maybe tries to, you know, at least, you know, let's lay it all out there. Let's not sit back and try and defend and let's, let's make this at least a, a dignifying way to bow out versus being kind of throttled. But I, I think it's going to be Liverpool and City in the final. Yes, I do think it is going to be, and um, really interested to see how it how it goes. Really, um, I think we're gonna end up seeing a really, really, really big final, really big final. Uh, but I think we'll wrap up there. Big week of football. Uh, we'll try and get a few more episodes out over the next few weeks. But uh, for now, Matt, where can people find out more about you on Twitter? At Matt underscore Santangelo. It's amazing. Oh, and also. Uh, at MilanReports.com, we stream on Twitch pretty much after every uh, match. So make sure to follow us there on Twitter and uh, 
follow us on Twitch. Awesome. You can find me at Pet Barisha on Twitter, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. And you can find us at State of Play Pods on Twitter as well. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and have a great week. <laughs>